today's read, a New York Times article entitled, Milwaukee Said It First, Racism is a Public Health Crisis by Audra D.S. Birch. From cradle to grave, black Milwaukeeans were suffering. The infant mortality rate was nearly three times that of white people. The life expectancy was about 14 years shorter on average. Life in between offered its own hardships, from gaping disparities in education to income. Officials realized years ago in what was among the most racially segregated and inequitable cities in America. The county executive at the time, Chris Abele, knew there was something insidious at work, something hard to tame or fix. He placed blame on centuries of deeply rooted anti-black racism and the crushing chronic stress it caused. The result was remarkably different life experiences and health consequences for black and white residents. Let's take a pause for the cause. Now back to the article. So Milwaukee tried something bold to fight the statistics. They declared racism a public health crisis and vowed to combat it with the same vigor they would a disease outbreak. The declaration stitched together what might have seemed unconnected and publicly committed the city to a wide-ranging agenda aimed at addressing Milwaukee's generational inequities. It would not be easy or fast. Making the link between racism and health took some convincing, those involved in the designation said, as did persuading residents that racism extended well beyond name-calling and other overtly bigoted acts. When you use the R word, people run, said Dr. Georges Benjamin, a physician who is executive director of the American Public Health Association. They think, no, I am not a racist, and that's because they only understand it in the personalized racism bucket. They don't understand structural racism. To chip away at Milwaukee's staggering race-based health gaps, leaders sought to reframe the conversation. They consciously considered race equity when they drafted policies made staff hires or invested in communities. That was more than a year ago, before COVID-19 tore through black communities like Milwaukee and before George Floyd's death under a white police officer's knee. It was before shell-shocked Americans emerged from quarantine to protest injustice and police brutality. In recent weeks, dozens of cities and towns across the country have followed Milwaukee, acknowledging the health consequences of racism. A few clues to the efficacy of such declarations can be found in Milwaukee. The county became the first 
jurisdiction in May 2019 to declare racism a public health crisis. The city of Milwaukee then followed. The seeds were planted in part by Dr. Camera Jones, a family physician and epidemiologist who has spent more than two decades talking about the impact of racism on personal health. Over the first year after the declaration, 2,000 employees in Milwaukee received racial bias training, and the county created a new budgeting tool to help make decisions that factor in racial equity. But the pandemic was the first big test of how the declaration would work in a crisis. Because of the mandate, health officials viewed COVID-19 through the lens of race from the start and became one of the first municipalities in the nation to stratify infection and death data by race. The numbers offered an early hint at the disease's disproportionate impact on black communities. Jeanette Kowalik, Milwaukee's health commissioner, said the early realization of how the virus was affecting African-Americans led to more testing sites in neighborhoods with predominantly black residents. It quickly made us think about how this would spread and who was likely to be hurt, she said. The weekly testing confirmed our worst fears. On the county level, Milwaukee spent at least 10 million of 77 million in federal and state COVID-19 relief funds on housing assistance, an area that most impacts women of color. That fact may not have been as obvious without the new framing, said David Crowley, the county's first black county executive. Declaring racism a public health problem alone does little. But the discussion surrounding the measures that have been approved by more than 60 state and local governments since June have prompted the beginning of important and concrete steps. Those sponsoring the measures in recent weeks often found themselves doing a lot of connecting the dots to help colleagues get from the concept of racism to stress and poor health, said Nuchit. Blackberg, a member of the Windsor, Connecticut Town Council, who sponsored the resolution. Some of the resolutions have been accompanied by other measures, measures such as the creation of equity task forces to investigate discriminatory policies and by the introduction of revamped hiring practices and anti-bias training sessions. In Boston, Mayor Marty Walsh declared racism a public health crisis and shifted $3 million from the police overtime budget to social services. Somerville, Massachusetts declared racism a public safety and health emergency and unveiled an ambitious police reform plan. The plan includes establishing civilian oversight, changing how misconduct cases are handled, pushing for body-worn cameras, and adding implicit bias and de-escalation training. But the declarations, incorporating terms ranging from discrimination to white supremacy, also offer a peek at the cultural fault lines of America's current race introspection. 
In Jackson County, Michigan, where about one-third of African Americans live below the poverty level, Daniel Mahoney, a three-term commissioner, proposed an anti-racism resolution. What passed instead was a resolution that called discrimination unacceptable. Mr. Mahoney's fellow commissioners were neither swayed by his impassioned speech on the effects of racism on health, nor the public support from many Jackson residents. Some commissioners were convinced the declaration would lead to defunding the police and anti-white scapegoating. I do not like the feeling that I get from this, that all white people are bad, said Commissioner Tony Blair before voting against. The article started out on a positive note, Milwaukee declaring racism what it is, which is a public health crisis, and speaking about how it affects black people's overall health, how our lives are shorter, or our life expectancy is shorter on average, how our, how the stress levels add to chronic diseases, and it's just, I mean, it's something that's obviously known by professionals and authorities in in the medical field and in politics, but the resistance to making actual tangible change is reliant on how white people feel when the truth is told. And so that in and of itself is another portion of anti-black racism because how could a rational mind that speaks of caring about all citizens equate how white people feel about certain language when the truth is told being the same as black death that doesn't make any sane sense it doesn't make any logical sense but this is the type of conversations that occur in rooms and at tables where decisions are made about whether or not to make actual changes in the policies, procedures, and function of this country when it comes to racial equity. And this is why things have not changed. The biggest changes we've had have been were made in the civil rights era, era between the late 1950s and um, the 1960s. But those changes benefited white women. Those changes benefited the LGBTQ community. Meanwhile, black people are in the same and in some instances worse disparities across the nation when it comes to employment, uh, poverty levels, health disparities, education, incarceration, (laughs) murder by police, murder by vigilantes like the McMichaels and William Roddy Bryant, who have, as of today's date, pled not guilty to the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. 
To this date, Breonna Taylor's murderers, the police officers, have not been charged with anything. Yet when their protesters were in Kentucky, the protesters were arrested. Peaceful protesting didn't cause any violence, didn't do anything but do the peaceful protest, were arrested, 87 of them, and charged with a felony initially. Those charges have um, been dropped as of today, but only because people compared that peaceful protest to the previous protest by majority white, I think it was all white actually, armed protesters who were protesting having to be quarantined for the current pandemic. America faces racial inequity because America won't be honest about only caring about how white people feel, how white people see things, how white people understand things. Basically, just like as if this country is only for white America. This is how we're all, if you're not white, you're treated differentially. If you're black, you're treated even worse than just differentially. You might end up dead. And it's a horror story. And I don't know the answers, but I know I'm not gonna deny the truth to myself. That's what leads to a lot of our health problems, suppressing what we know to be true. This issue will not be dealt with dishonestly. It'll be talked about and around, but never dealt with unless and until America is ready, willing, and able to tell the truth and then make changes from a place of truth.